Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Thursday, February 9th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. A highly regarded St. Louis architectural illustrator's drawings inspired many of today's well-known backdrops, including Superman's Metropolis and Batman's Gotham City. He became this sort of like baked-in feature of all of those early fantasy worlds that came out of comic books from the 30s to the 1950s. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson speaks with public historian Andrew Wonko about the work of Hugh Ferris. Catholics in the St. Louis area could attend different parishes if a proposal by the Archdiocese is approved. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, the plan reduces the number of individual parishes from 178 to 88 pastorates. The second proposal is part of the Archdiocese's plan to consolidate parishes across the region. Pastorates could take on different forms depending on the size of the parish and its needs. Some may remain individual parishes, others could merge, or have to change mass times depending on a priest's availability. Father Christopher Martin is the St. Louis Archdiocese Vicar of Strategic Planning. He says in a video announcement that the proposal was the work of various coalitions and meetings. These models are the fruit of their discernment, open debate, conversation about what we believe is the best models moving forward. The Archdiocese is collecting feedback from parishioners and church leaders with plans to release a final plan on the Pentecost. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. The Missouri House has given preliminary approval to legislation allowing the governor to appoint a special prosecutor to address violent crime in cities like St. Louis. The prosecutor would be able to prosecute certain crimes, including first- and second-degree murder, first- and second-degree assault, and vehicle hijacking. Bill sponsor, Representative Lane Roberts, says crime is a concern, particularly in urban areas like St. Louis. I've been told that I should not be meddling in this community's business. And I would submit to you and anyone else who wants to listen, I'm not a meddler, I'm not an outsider, I am a Missourian. House members could pass the bill out of the chamber today. The Missouri Senate has given initial approval to a measure establishing a parent's bill of rights. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports, there have been revisions, but the legislation still bars the teaching of certain diversity-related concepts. One change in the legislation approved by the Senate is the omission of the phrase critical race theory from anywhere within the bill. While the original bill did not define critical race theory, it did ban the teaching of it. The new bill still bars the teaching of certain concepts like, quote, individuals of any race, ethnicity, color, or national origin are inherently superior or inferior. Senator Carla May expressed concerns that the bill would still prohibit the contextualization of history and hinder teachers' ability to freely educate students. You still are opening this door for parents to say, you know, I don't like this. The legislation needs another vote in the Senate before moving on to the House. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. Some cannabis distributors in Missouri are citing the system for medical marijuana as a key reason for a strong initial weekend of recreational sales. About two-thirds of legal marijuana sales in the state last weekend were recreational. For many dispensaries, starting with medical helped them prepare for new customers. Trinity Dispensary's Lacey Doors says the company increased staff and orders in Rolla, Salem, and St. James, 
but she adds it's still important to put medical buyers first. I think it's just been amazing to be able to serve a whole new market, but still keep our med patients happy and feeling taken care of. Dispensaries in Missouri reported more than $12 million in recreational and medical marijuana sales last weekend. Missouri's chief judge wants state lawmakers to help maintain trust in the judiciary. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman has more from Paul Wilson's State of the Judiciary speech. The state Supreme Court has heard a number of controversial cases in the last several years, including Medicaid expansion and collective bargaining rights of state employees. And it's likely to rule on several more in the future. Wilson told lawmakers he knows they will not always agree with decisions of the court. And he says they have the right to tell constituents they think the court got it wrong. But he urged them to also take the time to explain that judges are public servants. Doing their best to decide cases based on the facts and their best understanding of the law, because I promise you, that's true. Recent surveys show opinions of the U.S. Supreme Court are at their lowest point in 30 years, and that impression has likely trickled down to state courts as well. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. What do Batman's Gotham City, Superman's Metropolis, and Dorothy's Emerald City have in common? They were inspired by the drawings of a St. Louis architectural illustrator. St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson spoke with Andrew Wanko, a public historian at the Missouri Historical Society, about illustrator Hugh Ferris. If you grew up in the 90s, you probably remember this classic, Batman the Animated Series. The opening theme and animation are iconic. A deep reddish-purple skyline highlights countless towering skyscrapers in a deep fog with Gotham City's Batman lurking in the shadows. But what some people might not know is that that backdrop and many of our favorite fantasy worlds like Gotham were inspired by the popular illustrations of St. Louis architectural illustrator Hugh Ferris. He became famous for this sort of moody, bathed-in-theater lighting kind of world that he would build. Um, he wasn't just drawing buildings. He was actually sort of like illustrating this this entire sort of shadowy, nighttime, foggy world. And it was that aspect of it that really drew people to him. He believed that it was his mission to not just draw a structure, but to create some sort of emotional connection to it. In 1929, Hugh Ferris released his book, The Metropolis of Tomorrow. And there's so many detailed illustrations in there. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? The book collected 60 of Ferris's images. Some of them were ones that he had drawn for architects already. Others were brand new images that nobody had ever seen before. But it combined images of real world buildings with these sort of visions of a near future metropolis where skyscrapers are the size of mountains and multi-story highways cut right through buildings. There are vertically stacked airports. You know, this really incredible world that he was just dreaming up in his own imagination. And of course, this book is being being published in 1929. Uh, his drawings are being published in magazines like Vanity Fair and Harper's. They're showing up on the front pages of the New York Times throughout the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. 
And that's exactly when this first generation that would come to be known as the golden age of comic books, you know, Stan Lee is growing up as a child. This is when Bob Kane, the artist behind Batman, he's seeing all these things in the newspaper and in magazines, and it has this really long-lasting effect. So how exactly did his vision of a metropolis make its way to DC Comics? Hugh Ferris was the most widely distributed architectural illustrator of his time. His images are showing up in all sorts of publications that the general public is taking in. So it was almost impossible to stay away from these things when you're looking at these buildings that sort of redefined what an urban space looked like, like the Empire State Building and the Chrysler Building, the Chicago Tribune Tower. Hugh Ferris is the person illustrating them all for the public to see before they're actually rising in in the physical space. So I really think he became this sort of like baked in feature of all of those early fantasy worlds that came out of comic books from the 30s to the 1950s. Hugh spent a lot of time illustrating what his world would look like. Tell me more about that. His worlds, as he saw them, a sort of perfect future city would actually segregate out uses into different parts of the city. So over here, you would have the science center. Over here, you would have the arts center. Over here, you would have the uh, industrial center. And it was a it was a popular thing throughout the early 20th century, this idea of zoning cities, which, of course, led to all sorts of abuses of power. Um, and injustices against people as cities were zoned to get rid of things that powerful people deemed to be unworthy or unwanted. Um, This is basically the entire urban renewal movement that happened in the 1950s and 60s where whole entire swaths of people were displaced from cities. So you can see where Hugh Ferris's visions of the metropolis of tomorrow both inspired but also fell short in a lot of ways. So this makes me wonder, what is his legacy today? The inspiration he gave comic books and films and arts is incredible, and it's it's beautiful. It sort of pushes the boundaries of imagination, sort of opened up a whole new world of thinking about imaginary places and envisioning alternate realities. Of course, that is fantasy. I don't think that he had as much of an effect on the real constructed world that we all live in on a daily basis. That was public historian Andrew Wonko speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson about St. Louis architectural illustrator Hugh Ferris. Our Jonathan All edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. We are a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music, as always, by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.